0: We're going to be looking at John one fifteen to eighteen, or follow along on the words on the screen. So John one fifteen to eighteen. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Good morning church. Um. <clears throat> this half term time when my son comes back from uni for, for a break I enjoy it very very much but I also dread it it's uh, uh, that the reason is that whenever he comes back he renews my gym membership and uh, when he goes back I cancel it but when he comes back he renews it and he came this Thursday, I mean, he came this week and he took me to the gym, he dragged me to the gym on Thursday and we you know, we're, were working out lower legs and well, you know, this uh, over the weekend when I walk, uh, people think that I was responding to African, African music, you know, I was just <laughs> full of pain. So I can't wait until he goes back yes. so that I may cancel. Um, the membership um, we'll be looking at as um, John chapter uh, 1 verse um, 18, 18 15 onwards uh, which we have been looking at for the last few weeks <clears throat> uh, with Vijan so you know um, it's a continuation of those verses above um, and uh, John uh, John's aim for his readers, as it is indicated in chapter 20, verse 31, is that he wrote this book or this gospel, they may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life in his name. So uh, this is not to say that he was writing only to those outside the faith to come to faith, but he also wrote having in mind those who are in the faith to grow and continue to live in the faith by growing in the knowledge of Christ. So the more we grow in our faith, in the knowledge of our Savior, the more we grow in our faith and live in the abundant life that he came to give us. So growing in our faith is a must. Um, there is no standing still. You, there is no. We we won't be arriving at a certain age or completeness and perfection until he comes back. So until he comes back, we have to continue to grow. There is no standing still. You either grow in your face or grow away from your face. There, you you can't stand still. So. You know, uh, Peter, uh, in his uh, second letter, he said, you know, um, I think it's, it's very helpful what he said. He said that this to his readers. He said, for this very reason, the reason being because God has given, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Um, He said, make every effort to add to your face goodness into goodness, knowledge into the knowledge, self-control, self-control perseverance. So the you know a continu- continuing growing in our faith is um, something that is expected of us something that is um, you know happens as we get to know the lord and grow in the knowledge of our um, savior jesus christ so as we look at this scripture we go to uh, we get to know and grow in our knowledge of the one who saved us so in the first 13 verses John talked about who the Word is and what He gives to those who receive Him, and His description of uh, description of who the Word is could be seen as abstract in those verses. And indeed, as Bijan um, explained um, last week, the Logos is seen as ultimate reality, nonetheless abstract and non-entity. So it can not be seen that John is talking about this abstract idea as some kind of theory. So John is now demonstrating to his audience that he's not talking about this abstract idea or theory. No, he said we, the disciples, testify that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one, only son who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen it, we touched it. And in his, in his, letter, uh, in his first letter, uh, he, he stresses that, the fact that he's talked about a concrete fact, not just an idea. He said, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. So it's not an abstract idea. You know, everlasting life is a person. It's a quality of life that, that manifested among us. So we are talking about something that, that we have touched and who who changed our life. And this is kind of, this is not an abstract idea. So this is what we experience when we come to Jesus, didn't we? We experience his love, forgiveness, who he is by his spirit. So in this uh, verse 15, John is saying, It is not only us, the close disciples, who testify about Jesus. Even John the Baptist also testified about him. So he started uh, talking about um, John's um, testimony. So in these verses, we see at least three things that John, John wanted us to know about Jesus. He wanted us to know that Jesus supersedes John as eternal God. Jesus supersedes Moses as a giver of grace. And Jesus supersedes all as a living word or as a revelation of God. So Jesus supersedes John as eternal God. So John the Baptist's testimony was important because, who, because of who John the Baptist was and how he was seen by his people. This weird guy came in the scene just out of nowhere. And stood, you know, he was standing in between two um, uh, times, the Old Testament and the New Testament and the New Covenant. And in that that critical time, he was accepted and seen as a prophet of God by the, the people of Israel. People were responding to his message despite his weird outfit. You know, he spoke with authority and clarity that they thought he was even the Messiah. They misunderstood. They 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 thought he was a Messiah because of the authority that was coming. Uh, you know, the authority of the word and conviction that he was um, speaking. So his testimony was important and carried weight. So that's why John considered about his testimony um, and, and how it coincides with uh, his own uh, testimony. So what was? Um, John's testimony. So, John testified concerning him. He cried out, trying to captivate the attention of the audience. He was crying out, saying, this is the one I spoke about. When I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. So, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus, um, naturally, and he began his public ministry before Jesus' ministry. So, by the first part of his statement, John was dismissing the common cultural view that the older man had greater honor than the younger one. He's saying that Jesus is the greater one, even if he was, um, um, John was older than Jesus. He said, he is the greater one. And the last part of his statement, he he said, he existed before me, implying that Jesus is eternal existence. Now, I'm not sure if John the Baptist was clear from the beginning of his ministry that Jesus' eternal existence are the word because it took the disciples you know, until the, uh, the resurrection for them to understand the truth that Jesus is actually God. It may be that John the Baptist spoke without truly understanding what he was talking about. So John wants us to see that Jesus is greater than John the Baptist and all the other prophets, because whether the Baptist is fully recognized or not, he testified that Jesus is the eternal word. He had a higher rank than John because he existed before John, although he was younger than John. So as eternal God, the implication for us is that eternal God, whatever he is to us is eternal. Whatever is to us is eternal. His incarnation tells us that he's eternally Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us for eternity. We will never be separated from God. You know, never to leave us, never to forsake us. God is committed to us. He's eternally our Father, eternally our Redeemer, eternally our High Priest. Whatever is to us is, has eternal. Uh, uh, consequence or it, it, it has eternal uh, value. As eternal God, whatever he does for us, it has eternal value as well, words and consequence. His incarnation has eternal consequence. He transformed the value of humanity by, by, by becoming flesh. He reinforced and highlighted the words of humanity. God became man, human, he, he, you know, he human beings are worth, you know, dying for. He he came to become uh, human. So through his act, God showed us the value of human beings and that we are made in the image of God. Since, since God became man, no human being can be seen as worthless. No human life should be treated with cruelty. Human dignity cannot be confined to only a few groups, but to all humanity. By the incarnation, Jesus shows us that. All humans are special. So uh, whatever he he does to us has eternal consequence. His crucifixion crucifixion has eternal consequence as well. All that is needed for our salvation, redemption, justification, deliverance, reconciliation, restoration, is eternally secured by Jesus Christ. His resurrection gave us new and eternal life and eternal hope. As eternal God... He is unchanging. He never changes. He's the same. He doesn't change. He's he's dependable. Over everything else changes. Every everybody else changes. Nothing is unchanging, secure, or immune to change. But as eternal God, Jesus never changes. You can depend on him, rely on him, trust him. He is eternal God. The psalmist declared in Psalm uh, 102 after observing everything around him, people and himself changing, the changing nature of the surroundings. And then he looked at God and he, he observed his, his relationship with God. And he said, he declared to God, but you are the same. You are the same. You are the same. When I'm down, you are the same. When I'm up, you are the same. When I'm sad, you are the same. When I, when I do wrong, you are the same. When I do right, you are the same. You are the same. You never change and your years will not come to an end. And in Malachi, God himself said that, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, all sons of Jacob, are not consumed. I don't change. I am the same. So I I like the Amplified uh, version. He said, for I am the Lord. I do not change, but remain faithful to my covenant with you. That's why you, all sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. We have eternal Savior. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and and, and, um, um, and in, in James, uh, when James talks about the gi- the giving of God, uh, you know the generosity of God, he said, every good thing is given, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, that indicating indicates there is no change, there is no change with the time or season. His generosity doesn't depend. On us, so Jesus not only supersedes, so He's, he's, he's eternal God. This is all, this is what uh, uh, this this much has uh, this has this much implication to us. We have eternal Savior. But Jesus not only supersedes John as eternal God; He also supersedes Moses as a giver of grace. He says, out of his fullness we we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here we see two things. On the one hand, the verse is saying, telling us that the grace Jesus brought to us replaces the grace that was given through Moses, the law. Not by rejecting it, but by fulfilling it. So the law was given to uh, to the Israelites not to qualify them to earn their place uh, in the in the uh, among the people of God or in the in God's covenant, but because they were people of the covenant. So before God gave them the Ten Commandments, He let them know that He is the one who took them out of Egypt according to His covenant with their forefathers. So. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So the law is not grace giver, but given to the people of the covenant, commanding them how they should live. So as such, we understand why the law is referred as grace. You know, God gave the law to his people not for for them to become his people but because they were his people so to, so so that that's that's that aspect of its the grace but it doesn't generate grace but what John wanted us to see is how Jesus supersedes Moses as grace giver he's showing that as great as the law and Moses were someone who embodies grace and truth had now tabernacled among us commenting on this verse Augustine said the law threatened not helped commanded not healed showed not took away our feebleness but it's made, uh, it made ready for the physician who was to come with grace and truth so the key words here are fullness and grace upon grace so John wants us to see that the grace revealed through Jesus is inexhaustible, you know, supply. We get all the grace that we need through Christ. Fountain of grace is opened for us. John Calvin um, applies verse 16 in three ways. He, said, he says that first it shows us that while we are all spiritual destitute, The abundance that exists in Christ is intended to supply our deficiency, to relieve our poverty, to satisfy our hunger and trust. Second, if we depart from Christ, it is in vain for us to seek a single drop of happiness elsewhere. The world can never give us the lasting joy we find in Christ. Third, we have no reason to fear lacking anything if we draw on Christ's fullness because he is a truly inexhaustible fountain. He points out that John includes himself in verse 16 to make it plain that no one is exempt. All who believe have received grace upon grace. But it's easy, isn't it, to say and, you know, to believe as objective truths that Christ satisfies our need with his fullness and grace. And and lack subjective experience and reliance upon that grace. You know, we can believe objectively that that grace is available for us. But when, when we go through difficult times, when we experience challenges and temptations and problems to turn uh, 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 to other things than Christ, Many many Christians turn to alcohol or other things, uh, you know, to get relief from their anxiety when they uh, face difficult uh, difficulties and challenges, and f- forget and neglect the fountain of grace that's open and available for us. We are quick to forget the grace of fountain that is available for us to access it. To access it any time. You see, you see the the, 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 the idea. that we, well, we 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 think when we talk when we think about grace, we think about the grace of salvation. And if we forget that actually the strength and ability to live our Christian life is by grace as well. It is by grace. And I, I, uh, I remember a friend of mine, the pastor in uh, South Africa, uh, who used to live uh, by the seaside, he used to run in the morning, uh, jog in the morning. And he said to me one morning, he was jogging and he saw these two men Drunk, lying down by on on the on the side by the seaside, and he said he said to me that he looked down on them, you know, as he was running, he just looked down and he said, I shaked my head around and I just really, um, you know, uh, what are you guys doing, kind of thing. And then I was as I was running, the Lord said to me, he said, I felt the Lord saying to me, do you know what the difference is between those two people and you? And he said, I knew when I heard that voice what he's going to say, and I just kept quiet, he said. And then the Lord said to him, my grace. That's it. It is the grace of God that, that is his empowering presence that enables us to say no to um, um, the world and live um, with fellowship with him. So the grace of God is not only for our salvation, but also for our sanctification in Christian life. That's what we see in uh, t- uh, Titus uh, 2. It says this for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That is salvation. And then it says it teaches us that to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to lead self controlled, upright, godly life. In this uh, pr- present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great, uh, great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, it's not only the grace uh, revealed; was not is not only to save us, but also to. Um, uh, to empower us to say no to the ungodly uh, things so, and to live uprightly with um, expectation of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in my in my opinion, our weakness is not uh, is, is our refusal to go to the fountain of grace to receive grace. We need. It is our, our, our how we avoid going to that fountain. We sometimes consider Christianity as um, riding a, a, a bicycle. You know, when you ride a bicycle, it's all um, by your effort, isn't it? I mean, for me, riding a bike is um, a very big challenge. So um, it's it's you know it's all your effort. Uh, but Christianity is not like that. Christianity is for me either it is. Um, riding a, a motorbike or, or a car it takes petrol you can't if if, if the petrol runs out on your motorbike you don 't just sit there and struggle to ride the bike because there's no petrol in it so our christian christian life sometimes we try to live our christian life on our, our efforts uh, and uh, without going to the petrol station that that great the, the fountain of grace that the throne of grace that we are constantly invited to go to to receive that grace, to enable us to live for the glory of God. So, Christian life is the same. We can't refuse to go to the throne of grace and to receive and be filled with His grace and and at the same time expect to be strong. So God is inviting us to come and receive grace from his fullness in the time of our need to give us the ability to endure, the ability to say no, the ability to, to thrive and excel, the ability to overcome, the ability to be a blessing to others, to serve him. So because grace is sometimes defined as empowering presence of God. God wants to empower us. So Christ is... Um, not just part of our life or our salvation but for all of our life so so um, that's why um, in Hebrew, um, the, in Hebrew the, the writer of Hebrew says let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need our weakness is, is we, are, we are weak, we are broken people but our weakness is really it's, it's more a lack a, a refusal to go to the fountain of grace and receive that strength of God not um, uh, so so that Jesus Christ is supersedes John as eternal God and supersedes Moses as a giver of grace he also supersedes all as a living word or the revelation as the revelation of God. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself is God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. Now, no one have ever seen God. This is a great loss of humanity. This is this is not uh, this is not to say that you know, implying that God managed to hide Himself. For humanity uh, this long. It, it doesn't show God's success that he, you know, he hide himself from, from, from us. No, it's, 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 it shows the loss of humanity, how human beings fail to be in a place where they can see and know God. It is, it is, it is God's will, God's desire for us to know him. He knows, he knows uh, because he, he knows that not knowing God has immense implication for our life, for human beings. And God's desire for us is to know. So no one have ever seen God. This is this is a, a sad declaration. It's a sad declaration. It is not normal. It's abnormal. We should have as creation, create, uh, as uh, uh, human beings who are created in the image of God. We are supposed to relate with Him, live in His presence, and know Him and connect with Him understand his purposes, his wills, and live in that purpose and rejoice in his presence. That's what we are created for. So not knowing God, not seeing God, is this is a sad declaration. It's a, no, a, a sad declaration on one hand, but also a, 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 a turning, and there is, there is a, a great opportunity has come through Christ Jesus. Now, we have, God came down to reveal himself to us. So, uh, in fact, you know, what, because he got, uh, this immense, uh, not knowing God has immense implications. Not knowing him is the source of, knowing him is the source of true life. So, not knowing him uh, detaches us from the true life. Without the knowledge of God, it's impossible to grasp the purpose of life. And <clears throat> without the knowledge of God, it's impossible to live a life worthy of God. So, we need to know God. That's the greatest need of humanity. But now, John said, the one and only Son who is himself is God and is in close relationship with the Father has made him known. We cannot know the invisible God unless he reveals himself to us, which he has done in the Word. Jesus, the Word, who is the only Son of God, the one who who was with God in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him to us. You know, as Jesus will later say, not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. So, so he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Now we have, we have this privilege, this amazing privilege, to know God, to connect with God, to understand His purpose, His wills, to rejoice in Him, to, to enjoy Him, to, uh, to, uh, to connect with Him. You know, this, this means that we have now access to know God. This, is, this privilege is given to us, the privilege of knowing God, the privilege of connecting with God. You know, those prophets or our forefathers who have heard from God the, the coming of Christ, have 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 t- tried, you know, to understand you, when that 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 this promise will will come to pass. You, you know, in Peter, um, uh, Peter talks about that. The, these fathers and prophets who heard from God about the coming of Jesus Christ, they were trying to understand the timing and, and realize that this revelation is not happening in their time. This is actually happening in our time. So uh, Peter said this concerning this salvation. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out time and circumstance to which the spirit of Christ, uh, Christ in them, was pointing when He predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories, the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when you spoke, when they spoke of the, all the things that have now been told you by the, to, by those who have preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, they didn't have this 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 um, revelation, this opportunity. They talked about it, they seen it from a distance, but now we are experiencing it, living it, and 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 by the Spirit of God, we are uh, given this access to know God, to connect with Him. What a privilege, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, that God has given us. So this is a privilege that uh, that Christ brought for us. Even angels long to look into these things. Even angels angels are amazed by how god manifested came to be as a human being to reveal himself to us so what what a privilege god has given us what an amazing uh, privilege so growing in the knowledge of god is a source of life the source of confidence you know um, as we get to know god as 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 we get to know as we grow in the knowledge of god our confidence in him also grows paul says that And, you know, in in a very challenging time, uh, he said this, uh, he expressed that, his confidence in God by saying, I know whom I have believed. I know. It was a very difficult time for him, you know. Um, all kinds of challenges were, were happening. He said this actually, um, in, in the, the full, when we read the, the full verse, says, That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no this is no cause for sh- this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he's able to guard what i have entrusted to him until that day. So when we know God, when we grow in the knowledge of God, our confidence in him also grows. We be confident in any situation. We won't be troubled, we won't be shaken by the things that comes on our way. Our confidence in God grows and also our security in the time of trouble. We are going through a very difficult time and 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 uh, you know uh, there all kinds of things are shaking people's Hearts and minds, and in that kind of situation, we stand secure because we know who God is. We know who our God is. So that when we grow in the knowledge of God, our security and our confidence also grows, and and we um, we we live in a, in a secure and peaceful heart, and we carry that. Confidence and security to the people that we are encountered to to our workplace. Then people can see, um, uh, you know, question why we are not troubled, why we are not shaken, why we are not um, bothered, but why we are not worried. Why why we are smiling? Why are we joyful? Where Where is the source coming from? That comes from the the knowledge of. God, who God is, the knowledge of his character, the knowledge of his commitment, the knowledge of uh, his faithfulness, that, that knowledge of who God is gives us that security and confidence in him. So um, in Psalm 46, he said, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He said, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the hearts of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. You know, at these difficult times, our knowledge of who he is does help us to feel secure. So Jesus supersedes John, our eternal God. Jesus, Jesus supersedes Moses as a giver of grace. This fountain of grace is open for us, brothers and sisters, that we can access any time to receive grace from him. Jesus supersedes all other living word, other revelation of God. This privilege of to know God has been given to us. We are invited to know the Lord, to encounter uh, God. Let us know that there's a fountain of grace available for us. Let's approach this fountain to receive grace in the time of our need. You know, at the revelation of God, we have this privilege to grow in the knowledge of God through our relationship with Christ. Shall we all stand and and pray? Jesus is our eternal God. Jesus made his fullness and grace and truth available for us. No one has seen God but Jesus Christ came to reveal him to us. Father, we... We want to thank you because you are eternal God. Who you are to us, what you have done for us, your your unchanging nature is our security, is our confidence. We know that you will never change, Father. So we rely on you. We rejoice in his faithfulness in your unchanging nature. Thank you, Father, for opening this fountain of grace for us. We pray, Father, that we may learn to approach the throne of grace, the throne of fountain, the fountain of grace. Father, in the time of trouble, in the time of difficulties, Father, instead of turning around um, other things, Father, that we may you may instruct us and help us, Father, to turn to you to lift our eyes up and to lift our hands before you and receive that grace that is available for us through Christ Jesus. The grace that will enable us to live for you, to overcome and to grow in you. Father, thank you for making yourself available for us and Lord that for the privilege to know you so we pray father that as Paul prayed you may open the the eyes of our heart so that we may grow in, in, in the knowledge of you knowing you is eternal life knowing you is where our confidence and security is thank you for your word thank you for Jesus thank you father for all that you have done through your son Jesus Christ, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's it is time to respond to the Word of God as we worship and as, as we sing. Let's let's um, open our hearts and then respond to Him. Receive that grace. Even now, the Spirit of God could open our eyes to um uh, to, to to have that encounter fresh encounter with him.